Hi, welcome to On the Bright Side. Life on the Bright Side? Light on the Bright Side. Life? On the Bright Side. Yes! Yes. With? With? Kyle? Kyle and Mommy. Thank you. All right, welcome everybody to Life on the Bright Side. It is day 20 of 30 days, 30 autism t-shirts, 30 podcasts. Day 20 is a very special day because we have Janine Lesbach here. She is going to cover so many burners on top of the stove for us to talk about so many subjects. And we are so thrilled to have you. Uh, we have had people on the podcast from the UK. Now we have our first official guest from Canada. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Yes, we're thrilled. Now, I was just uh, on the website where you have your blog, House of a Writer. And looking at that and having known you for this while, it's rather impressive. Well, thank you so kindly. I appreciate that compliment. Yes, I started out uh, on a blog and it was just a really turning point in my life and my husband's career. And we were like, you know, uprooted. We were literally living in a hotel. Um, my husband had just gotten uh, a job transfer. So we were in partial relocation. And then we were in um, partial, let's put the house on the market. But first, let's do a renovation. <laughs> And you chronicled so blog, all of this. <laughs> my blog came through. <laughs> and you are truly a gifted writer. Uh, so for the people who are listening, give them in a nutshell. And we know these nutshells that we have when we have the conversations are big. So people can get ready. We can edit accordingly. But give, because of the fact when I said that you are covering a lot of bases, you have neurodiversity in your family. Yes, I do. To be I have a younger son that is autistic, and um, I am also uh, autistic as well. And our autism is, uh, I guess I'd say, a little bit different than your standard. Um, ours is related to a rare genetic disorder that uh, we are born with, and I am the carrier of the chromosomal duplication. And, and saying that, a lot of people out there, and I was just listening to a blog from somebody from Aspie World, I think it was, he was talking about the idea that, I think he was rather upset because he is somebody on the spectrum as well, talking about an issue where there was an organization out there who was trying to cure autism. It disturbed him greatly. I don't know if you saw this, but what I thought was, there are people out there who do not realize that there are, officially there's no known cause of autism, but they are narrowing it down to genetic issues, that it can be environmental, that it, and I mean, we could go on forever, all the way back to refrigerator mothers, vaccines, whatever they want to say. And you and I are savvy enough that we could talk about this till the cows come home. But give our listeners the idea of where you can back a lot of this up, you've been doing lots of research in your work. Yes, yes, I have. I work in neurodiversity research and uh, essentially I started out in childhood disability research and then that led me um, 
into a whole new passion, which was doing that research, but still uh, opening it up on a more broader scale of parents of neurodiverse children and trauma, PTSD, uh, PTSI, post-traumatic stress injury, that, that they, you know, they do actually experience in the parenting path of having a neurodiverse child. And that has led me to this amazing research study that uh, is, is Canada-wide. And I'm very excited about it. I'm very passionate about it. So I could just go on forever, <laughs> uh, but I'll narrow it down. And it's giving a voice to the parents that are in the trenches of parenting a neurodiverse child. Now you're looking at a full spectrum of things as we're speaking about autism spectrum disorder, but yet there are also what I call the physical different abilities and the invisible different abilities. And you put those together and you have one parent, two parents, caregivers, you know, they are literally in the trenches. And some of these, you know, autistic behaviors um, are not what you see in the media. They're, they're not what you see uh, advertised on TV. You know, not everyone's savant musically. Um, not everyone is a, a medical expert, you know, like, like the good doctor character who I love, like, like a passion of a thousand sons. Not everyone's verbal, not everyone's toilet trained. I mean, it's, it's what I like to call, you know, a different type of alphabet soup. Yes. And, and I say that tongue in cheek because really it's a sense of humor and, and I will say for myself personally, a sarcastic wit that, that can get me through some difficult days. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I was just thinking I, I, the other day we were doing a podcast and I was talking about the, the umbrella, the, the wide spectrum and how it has become so wide that according to the DSM-5, where they have the diagnoses, it has changed over the years where Asperger syndrome was not under the umbrella. We had things like Rett syndrome, underneath pervasive development disorder, not otherwise specified. We had all of these wonderful things, but they were categorized differently. And my understanding is that it was because that Asperger's came back in so that there would be a coverage in insurance for these services so that people would recognize it as a disorder so that there would be supports out there through the community, whether it's therapy, what have you. Because I do remember a time, because I have a 22-year-old, I remember a time when there were people with Asperger's, but they did not have services. They were in the classroom. They did not get added supports. And the families had to take on the responsibility of learning all of these things. So um, that umbrella that we talk about Sometimes the umbrella is so wide that some of us are standing outside the umbrella <laughs> so that we don't fit under the umbrella anymore. And it may be for severity's sake so that you have somebody who has severe behavioral issues that are duly diagnosed, might have bipolar disorder as well as autism, as well as many other issues that are OCDs or isms or disorders so that they're not even considered somebody on the autism spectrum because of the 
other, and they're not even underlying issues. The autism might be the underlying issue. You also have people with Down syndrome who also have autism, who might have behavioral issues. So I feel like, and the way I visualize it sometimes is it's that gigantic umbrella and you're the person who's standing outside of it and you're trying to get some support and it's not necessarily. Absolutely, Absolutely. I, I, I really resonate with that, Isabel. I like to think of, I will say mine and my son's, you know, autism spectrum disorder as a golf umbrella. So a golf umbrella, of course, is much wider and it covers a much, you know, wider base. And when, when I think about it, um, I remember back, you know, with the DSM, uh, second version, third version, fourth version, right. and then the fifth version, when my son was diagnosed, uh, I'll say probably five years ago now, he was um, diagnosed as having different level of autism. And I'm a person uh, who's a very proud and strong advocate for autism, for mental health, for rare diseases, and, and also, you know, just looking at a different flavor of human being. <laughs> and I refer to my son and, and I in that manner because I don't think we're all supposed to be the same cookie in the bakery. You know, we're not supposed to be the same ice cream flavor that that everyone loves. I mean, I'm a mixture of Neapolitan and sprinkles and, you know, mint and glitter, you know, like, <laughs> right. It's, it, it, that's what it means to be, you know, unique. And, and that's what it means to be um, just a different flavor of human being. I love that we talk in analogies and visualizations because we're obviously both very visual and, um, one of the, I made up a quote once that when I spoke somewhere and I said that I love the food. Here we go with the food. I, was, I said, there are no cookie cutter solutions to autism and each person has a different recipe for success. And I believe that our conference that year was called recipes for success. So having said that, I've heard it quoted a few times, actually people taking my quote and going, wow, I can't believe that it was an analogy that made sense because we took it a step further and took cookie cutters into the school districts, the little cute little plastic ones that are shaped like animals and numbers and things, and brought them into play with Play-Doh with the students and taught them about the idea that each of these is different, unique, and wonderful. And it doesn't matter what the shape was, what dough we use, whoever is making it. It is unique and it is special. So I'm hoping that from what you are saying, like you, I, I love the idea of varieties of ice cream and the ways that we can do it. It's endless possibilities. But also I love that you also went right to the golf umbrella because that's exactly what I was thinking of. I must have put that, popped that right over to you. And I think that as we grow with awareness and acceptance of differences of neurodiversity, your ability to study these things as a person who is an adult self-advocate is so valuable to the world at large because of the fact that you can see through that lens 
for people. And, and often I feel as though I can see more clearly and be more empathetic towards people who are different because I definitely have my own issues. So for people who are out there who have a young daughter who may be acting differently, can you give some people some ideas? Because I know that your diagnosis didn't come along for quite a while. Knowing that, I know we have listeners who have young daughters who are experiencing issues and parents aren't even sure because I can tell you right now, a lot of the girls that I know who are in our group were diagnosed at age 10, 11, 12 years old because doctors mm -hmm. said they're just odd. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's such a fallacy in, I will say, you know, within the diagnostic process, because as we know, more males get diagnosed with autism than females and, and less teenagers get diagnosed. And, and usually what it comes down to, like I'll, you know, speak to the female portion of it is autism, of course, is a spectrum disorder. We all know that. Yet it also shows up differently between male and female. I mean, I, I could have been diagnosed as, as a kid, you know, um, I'm, I'm also an adult uh, late diagnosed ADHD mm -hmm. and that could be something that I I would have you know if my parents had had pursued that process uh, but back then in the 80s you couldn't pay attention or you're a daydreamer you know um, or you have the hyperactivity I mean I'm the ADHD without the H I mean I'm 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 too exhausted to be hyper you know <laughs> But, but it's my brain, you know, right. my brain is, is definitely in hyperactive mode. Um, yes, I do have some impulsivities as well. Uh, but I mean, when I was in school, that, that just showed up as my parents. My parents at home weren't teaching me, you know, to sit still and listen in the classroom and not interrupt my teacher or, you know, have a, a different opinion and perspective, you know, on something I was learning and wanting to converse about that with my teacher. I wasn't supposed to do that, especially when I was like six or seven years old and I go toe to toe, you know, with my grade two teacher and, and it, it was not pretty, but that's a story for another day. Uh, but, you know, that would have been shown as, as me having, you know, anxiety. Uh, that would have been shown as me not not fitting in or, you know, maybe I gravitated more to adults yes. in, in my comfort zone than, you know, kids my own age. And that definitely was me as a kid. But back then in the 80s, it was all about the Ritalin generation. And, you know, if your kid's not sitting still, pay attention, um, having ideal exemplary classroom behavior you were the problem. You were the problem student. You sat out in the hallway with your desk. Right. Alone. Right. Because you didn't fit into that mold. And I really am not a big fan of the word normal. 
I tend to say typical. I didn't fit in with the typical student. I didn't fit in with the typical classroom. But yet you could send me to the principal's office and, and I would be like, hey, let me grab you a cup of coffee. Like, like, let's sit down and let's talk about your day. Like, what's, what's going on in the agenda? You know, I didn't speak like a little six, seven-year-old should. But my mom never spoke to me as if I was younger. She spoke to me as I'm, I'm a person and, and I have my own thoughts and my own perspectives and my own desires and wants and wishes and loves and ambitions. And, you know, now they talk about things as speak to your children like they're equals. <laughs> they're living, breathing, you know, Communicating, whether that's nonverbal or not, you know, behaviors communication. We speak to that, you know, as as parents, uh, we speak to that in the medical community, and we speak to that in more holistic health communities. And and I think really that's how I am with my children. Right. There was no goo goo gaga, you know, in the house. It was this is how this is how we talk. This is how we do things. I had kids that were, you know, very uh, late with their speech. So it was a lot of, you know, like sign language and and a lot of visuals and and it just made a huge difference because whatever way they were. Janine and I continued our conversation for the next 45 minutes. So what we would like to do is end this particular episode of the podcast with the end of our discussion. And you'll understand why, because it brings everything full circle of 30 days, 30 autism t-shirts and 30 days. Thank you so much for joining us and enjoy this closing and we will see you tomorrow for day 21. Take care. But it's all about embracing those complexities and seeing your child, your loved one for their true colors. And I leave it up to Cindy Lauper, you know? <laughs> Say your true colors shining through. I see your true colors. And that's why I love you. So don't be afraid to let them show your true colors. True colors are beautiful like a rainbow. And that is a perfect ending to 30 days, 30 autism t-shirts and 30 podcasts because I see your true colors and I think that they're beautiful too. Thank you so much, Janine. <laughs> Take care. You're very welcome.
thanks for listening to Life on the Bright Side. And for this month's 30 t-shirts and 30 podcasts relating to Faces for Autism. If you'd like more information about autism or Faces for Autism or even Life on the Bright Side, visit our website at www.faces4autism.org. Thanks so much, everyone, and have a great day. Have a great day. Bye-bye.